Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Anna's going to read the Bible for us. Good evening, everyone. I'll be reading the Bible tonight. Uh, today's passage comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Thank you, Anna. Evening, everyone. My name's Ron. And uh, as Chris said earlier, we're starting a new series tonight in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Now, as uh, some of you will know, maybe most of you know, from Christmas until last week, Julie and I had uh, some time off and we had a great time away. But during our recent holiday, uh, one of the things that I did was I took Julie to the cricket. Now, uh, like perhaps many of you, Julie is not a big fan of the cricket. I am. I can watch cricket in all its forms. And so being in Melbourne and not too far from the MCG, I sensed an opportunity to increase Julie's appreciation of the cricket through a 2020 Big Bash game at the MCG. How good could it be? So seizing the moment, we went along to the game. I was full of hope that Julie was going to have a great time at the cricket. I was full of hope even, though I didn't say this out loud, that this might actually change something in Julie and we might be able to have more cricket in our marriage from this point on. That was the optimism in me. Well, I love the cricket, like I said, but about halfway through the game, something happened that made me realise that things weren't going all that good. I was bored. 
It was the worst game I have ever watched. And at that moment, I realised that my spectacular plan had become a tragedy. If I was bored, what on earth was Julie thinking? My hope was dead, my optimism soured. Here's the thing, optimistic hope can fail and die, just like my hope in getting Julie to like the cricket. But Christian hope lives even when other things fail. As we get into the book of 1 Peter, we will see that Christian hope is not simple optimism. It's certain, it's living, and it's all because of and about Jesus. Peter writes this letter to a group of Christians who are scattered around the area that we know of as Turkey. They are of both Jewish background and Gentile background. They are people who are living in exile. They need hope. Life for them is tough. And as we go through the book of 1 Peter, the letter letter of 1 Peter, it's important for us to continually remind ourselves that in many ways these people are very different to us. Most of us are seeking to live out our Christian lives in a relatively privileged environment that has had significant Christian influence, at least historically. The people that Peter writes to are different. They have few rights. They have little power. And the communities that they're involved in know little of Christianity and care less about it. They are often rejected. Sometimes they are persecuted and persecuted not just with names but in horrific actions. They live, the people that Peter's writing to, on the margins of a secular society. Yet perhaps that's where for us there are some growing similarities as we come to this letter. Because we find ourselves, don't we, for some of us, more and more so, for others, growing up in a world where Christianity is not in the centre of society and in a world where Christians are pushed more and more to the margins of society. It can be disorientating for those of us who grew up in a different world to live in such change. And for those of you who are growing up on the edges of society, it's just really tough to live in that world. Our instinct might be to reclaim or to claim some sort of sense of power, get Christianity back to the centre. But 1 Peter presents us with an alternative. It presents us with a group of people who are living faithfully for Jesus on the fringes of secular society. It validates life as a Christian in a minority environment and it encourages us about the power and presence of God and the ministry of Jesus by his Holy Spirit in an environment like that. It gives us the living hope that we need to live here for now. Not the optimistic hope that can fail and die, 
but hope that lives even when other things fail. So let's dive into 1 Peter chapter 1, which Anna read for us just a moment ago. While we were on holidays as well, the cricket failed, so I thought I'd try the tennis. When in Melbourne, sport, apparently. Dressed for a day in the sun, we sent our kids this photo of ourselves. One of them replied very quickly, I didn't recognise Dad. (laughs) I wasn't sure if that was positive or negative, and I didn't ask. But it's easy to blend into another world and forget our true identity or apparently have your children forget your true identity. Peter reminds these believers of their true identity in the opening of his letter. He urges them to hope in it rather than in the narrative that they might hear from the society around them. Have a look at these first couple of verses. Peter acknowledges their complicated identity. On the one hand, he says they are exiles, strangers. But on the other hand, they are God's elect, chosen by him. Their hope is not in being exiles, not in being strangers. Their hope is that they have been chosen according to God's foreknowledge so that they will do the work that he's called them to do in the world. Now, that word foreknowledge can raise all sorts of questions, but let me just say this. What it should tell us and what it told them is that God was not surprised or caught off guard by the situation that they found them in. God was not surprised or put off, caught off guard by the suffering and persecution that they found themselves uh, uh, inflicted uh, on them. Actually, God had had a people who were both chosen and strangers in the past and he'd looked after them really well. But also, Jesus himself was chosen yet a stranger in the world. Think about what Jesus said of himself. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, Jesus says. In the Gospel of John, we're introduced to Jesus as the eternal word, the one who made everything, who becomes flesh, becomes a human, but then we're tragically told he was in the world and though the world did not recognize and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. What a tragedy. And even more so in the next sentence, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus, chosen, yet a stranger, even to the people who were his own. Peter validates the the, uh, difficulty of living as strangers. But he also wants these people to know that living as a stranger isn't a reason to give up hope. Just as God had worked out his purpose through his people in the past and just as God had worked out his purpose in Jesus, so God would work out his purpose in those people then and in us today. For much of Jesus' life, he lived on the margins. Our hope is not in the simple optimism 
of somehow regaining some power in society as Christians. Our hope is different. It's certain, it's living, and it's all about Jesus. Now, when we think about what it means to be God's people, what that identity means, it's easier to take a whole lot for granted. I was reminded just in the last week of how easy it is to take things for granted. I received, as many of you may have as well, a video from one of our mission partners, Chris and Erin. And uh, as I watched that video, uh, it occurred to me that while they are not living in one of the most remote parts of the world, they don't have things that I just take for granted. Things like garbage collection. Things like drinking water out of a tap. It's easy to take things for granted. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 5, Peter explains how much this living hope has given us in Jesus. And sometimes we take it for granted. And it's good to refresh ourselves, not just tonight, but time and again, of the hope that we have in him. First, he reminds uh, those who are in exile that their hope comes from God's great mercy. Just think about that. It's easy to read over the word great. Peter doesn't just say you have hope because of God's mercy. He says you have hope because of God's great mercy. God isn't stingy in handing out mercy. He doesn't just sprinkle it around. He pours it onto us. He lavishes us with his mercy. And his great mercy is great both in quality and in quantity. It's mercy that, Peter says, gives us new birth. New birth is an opportunity at new life. And that's what we have because of God's great mercy. The chance to live the way that we've been made to live. The chance to live in a way that's different to the way the world wants us to live. Now, for some of the uh, original recipients of this letter, some of the people that Peter had in mind as he was writing, no doubt for some of them, they had been disowned by their families because they'd chosen to put their faith in Jesus. They'd been shamed by their families because they'd they'd chosen to put their faith in Jesus. And perhaps there's a sense of that for some of you as well, that your families don't understand what they do what you do, that as you lean further into Jesus, people who you love might push you further away. And Peter wants these exiles to know that they have been given new birth into God's family. And in that family, they are not shamed, but honoured. That is the hope that they live in. We are born into this God's new family, into a living hope. A living hope, not an optimistic wish, but a reality. And as part of that new birth into a new family, we're, given a, we're born into a new inheritance. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Now sometimes inheritances get wasted away really quickly. Uh, If you can't think of any actual examples, think of the parable of the lost son, which is a story partly about that. But this inheritance that we have in Jesus 
because we're members of God's family, can never perish. That is, it won't die or decay. And this inheritance that we have by being part of God's family can't spoil. It won't become impure in some way. And this inheritance that we have because we're part of God's family will never fade away. It's not like a bad investment that means it all gets lost. Those who have faith in Jesus will be, are, inheritors of God's new creation. As James, another Bible writer, puts it, he says, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? See, it's not those who live in the centre of society who inherit God's kingdom. It's those who live with faith centred on Jesus who are inheritors of God's kingdom. And if that's you, then that inheritance is secure and shielded until the coming of salvation, as Peter says at the end of verse 5. Until the coming of salvation. What's that mean? Don't we already have salvation? How's it until the coming of salvation? Sometimes when we use the word salvation, we talk about the forgiveness of sin. And that is a salvation that has already been achieved for us, that we already experience. But salvation is more comprehensive than that. God is saving all of his creation. And salvation has happened. We have been forgiven our sins through what Jesus did on the cross. But salvation happens as well as God's purposes continue to uh, outwork in the world. And then what Peter's talking about is an ultimate salvation that is to come. A salvation that will come when Jesus returns. An ultimate salvation, the coming of salvation, when there will be, when all decay and evil Oppression and death will come to an end and where Jesus will bring him in his new creation. That is what Peter is referring to about it being secure, our inheritance being secure until the coming of salvation, until Jesus returns and makes all things new. This is our hope that if we are in Jesus, all of that is ours. And all of that is secure because Jesus has kept it secure. Christian hope is not simple optimism. It's certain. It's living. And it's secure in Jesus. So if we have that great hope, what do we do with that? Well, verse 6 makes it pretty simple in one sense, but it's also a paradox. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Hope means that we suffer grief. Hope means that we experience great joy. And sometimes the challenge of living as a Christian is living with those two truths at once that we live in incredible conflict between the joy we have with Jesus and the suffering that comes along as connected to our faith in him. 
John Calvin put it like this. Sorrow does not prevent their joy, but rather gives place to it. How does sorrow give place to joy? Suffering grief, as uh, that's the phrase that Peter used, indicates incredible emotional pain. These people that Peter's writing to were hurting. They, they, they were suffering in, in very incredible and very real ways. We do great injustice to each other if we invalidate the pain that we experience as we live in the world that we live, particularly the pain that comes as a result of our faith. Rather, we want to share in that pain. We want to speak it out to each other because that pain is real. We want to live with compassion and empathy towards each other. We want to live angered and dismayed at the things in the world that aren't as they should be. We live suffering grief in all kinds of ways. But that grief actually reminds us that Jesus is doing something about all that and he will do something about all that. And so our grief then becomes lament that we pour out to him and say, how long, O Lord, like those who have cried out before, how long? Will this continue until you do return and make things, all things new? And then as we lament, we have hope. We're reminded that there will be a day, maybe today, where Jesus returns and makes all things new. And so in the midst of our suffering of grief and pain and persecution, in the midst of that, We actually have hope because we know that Jesus is doing something about it and Jesus will do something about it. And this, I think, is what it means to love Jesus even when we don't see him. I mean, we don't physically see him. But sometimes in the pain, sometimes when you are being persecuted or suffering for your faith, Sometimes you don't see Jesus, but you love him. Your faith, worth more than gold, is in him and you trust him. And you know that even while you don't see him now, he is doing something. He will do something. And you have hope because of him. And that hope leads to what Peter says is an inexpressible and glorious joy. And my brothers and sisters, if you follow Jesus for long enough, you will suffer enough to know exactly what that joy is. And it is, as Peter says, inexpressible and glorious that in the midst of all sorts of hardships, There is a deep, deep hope because of what Jesus has done, what he is doing and what he will do. It's a joy that enables us to live here for now. Here as a stranger in society, 
but chosen by God. For now, to bring to the world that hurts purpose and healing. For now, but not forever. Because one day Jesus will make it all new. That is our hope. Not simple optimism that fails and dies. Not hope in society. Not hope in being at the centre and having power. Our hope is in Jesus. In what he has done. In what he is doing. And in what he will do. Our hope is certain. Our hope is living. And our hope is secure in Jesus. Our hope enables us to live here for now. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that in your great mercy you have given us new birth into a living hope through Jesus Christ. Thank you that in that new birth you brought us into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade. Thank you that you've done it all. When we suffer, particularly when we suffer for being your people, your children, will you grow that hope in us? Remind us of it, bed us down in it and give us that great inexpressible joy that we might know, even when we don't see Jesus, that we know, Jesus, what you have done, what you are doing and what you will do. And so then, strengthen us to live here for now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.